We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sam, listeners, Lightyear's podcast, do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Wow, that's amazing. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open up a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment and made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. The Butcher Shop continues on 95.7 The Game. Here's Joe Shasky. Yes, yes, yes. This is the Butcher Shop. I am Joe Shasky. And this is going to be the greatest 9 o'clock hour in the history of sports radio. San Francisco, I would like to welcome you to two special people. Warriors World Zone. The Light Years Podcast, guys. I got Andy Lou over here to my left. Yes, I got Sam. Sam, how do I pronounce your last name? Esfandiari. Esfandiari. I have probably butchered that so many times. I'm so sorry. No, you got it down. Okay, good. Unintended. Good, good. All right, guys. You guys are all things warriors. We'll get into you know how you guys got created and how the whole <laughs> shtick came through. I was listening to that Dave, uh, what's his name? McManaman. Oh my God, what a hilarious. When he called you the Stephen Colbert of Warriors Twitter, I said, that's exactly how I would describe him. But when I think of like my buddies being extreme, arrogant, over-the-top, cocky Warrior fans, I think of Andy. I do. I think of your Twitter feed because that's how my boys are. We'll smoke anybody. I'll take anybody in a seven-game series. I'm watching that game last night, guys. Warriors, Rockets, they lose in overtime. I'm frustrated, clearly. Lots of different things to take away. But the first thing is, the Warriors only have so many villains that they go up against. I do like that James Harden is a huge villain, not just to the Warriors, but to the Warrior fan base. What do you think of James Harden? It's better than LeBron, right? Oh, no question. He's someone that's, honestly, he's fun to watch. Last night, did he shoot free throws in the second half? He didn't shoot free throws. No, He was someone that really torched the Warriors, honestly, the way that Steph Curry torches everyone else. And he talked to any talk trash to the crowd. That was my favorite part. <laughs> I, I mean, everyone saw the clip of the game winner where he, you know, mouthed. We can't say it on air, but um, in general, I, I've always appreciated how he carries himself like kind of like a WWE villain. Absolutely, like he gets fouled. He kind of does the slow strut, listens for the crowd to boo him. 
uh, there's just a lot of theatrics and kind of showmanship with him. Absolutely. And that's that's one of the things like with the NBA, what I absolutely love is that on any given night, you do see the theatrics, the drama. You get to superstars. And last night, no CP3, who's already a warrior villain. We can't stand that guy. But Dre getting a shot nailed in his face last night. I thought that was special. And then the way Harden turned and looked at him and gave him the business after Austin Rivers gave Draymond the business. And we'll get to Austin Rivers in a second. But that shot, okay, I want to break this little play down because, guys, I, I we lose our minds over Steve Kerr and the coaching and the little tiny stuff. But for me, triple team Harden there. Like, he's the only guy who's going to take that shot in that situation. Yes, Draymond was right there. Yes, he nailed it in his face over him with clay draped on him. But KD is guarding the inbounder. Why isn't he coming over and triple team and daring somebody else to beat him? You know, I don't I don't even mind the defense there because he he legitimately hit a Steph Curry shot. Yes. And that's what we've that's what we've wanted to see from Harden for years because everything with Harden's been kind of oh he has to get free throws. Yeah. It's 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 all theatrics. He can't he can't make the basketball play the way Steph Curry, the way Kevin Durant can. And and he did. He had Draymond on his face, mm-hmm. he had Clay draped over his shoulder, and he hit it. So I that game was frustrating for a lot of reasons, but Harden hitting the ridiculous shot to win it, that's one of those where I'm just kind of like, yeah, you're the MVP. <laughs> you ever play basketball with people that you didn't like? Oh, all the time. All that- the time. And I, I don't stop talking the whole time, guys. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Ask Lucas. He don't pass. <laughs> that's the Warriors right now, though. Yes. That's... Every time that Clay Thompson takes three dribbles to the sideline, shoots a fadeaway tough two, and... Katie is standing there and he looks at him like, what are we doing? <laughs> right. And Steph Curry standing in the corner and he's not getting the ball mm-hmm. for the last three minutes. Right. Yes. Same with KD. It's not fun. No. And the Warriors don't look like they're having any type of fun. No. Playing basketball. That's the problem to me. That's yeah. something that's an issue and that has not been an issue for the last four years. Well, what's what's interesting to me is that in the first half, I was like, dude, they're contesting shots. They look energized. They look focused. They look like they were ready to take on. Because these TNT games, right, there's only so many. Like I was saying in the, the beginning of the show, there's like seven or eight legitimate, like circle it. The Warriors will hopefully be, be focused. Clearly Christmas wasn't one of those days. <laughs> but I thought last night would be one of those games. They've already lost two in a row at Oracle heading into that game. And then, like, they play great in the first half and then go completely away from that entire focus and energy. It just drives me bonkers how night and day this team can be given how focused they are. But here's the other thing. I Would you really get hyped for a TNT game in January <laughs> if you're judged off of June only? I mean, no. I think that's where these guys are at this point. They're kind of they're bored of the whole process, and they look – I mean – when I watch them, I see a bunch of guys who are just trying to hit their numbers most of the time. They, they look like, you know, Clay's looking to make sure he gets his 20 to 25 points. Katie's looking to make sure he gets his numbers. Steph's getting his shots of Katie's count or um, Draymond's count as assists. <laughs> the, the, none of them are kind of, none of them are into it the way that the opposition is. That's exactly what happened yesterday. Houston, Houston went down and they got into it like it was a real game and the Warriors were like, eh. What, yeah, what, go through the Sam, what's more important to Clay right now? Proving that he can score on his own or winning a January game against the Rockets? What's really more important to Clay Thompson? For right now, I feel like it's Clay getting his rhythm back. Don't you guys think? He's talking to his hand. I mean, I love the <laughs> left-handed dribble and then go to the lane where he finished with the left. That was really nice. He did that multiple times in a row. 
But he's he's in his own head, I feel like. No? To these guys, it's more of, I, I just don't, it doesn't really matter to me if I win in January. Like, it, it, it really doesn't. Because if we do win, what happens? Nothing happens. Oh, everything goes the same, right? But if I'm scoring 30 tonight, and, and with Steph, it starts with Steph at the beginning. Hey, if I'm going to chuck up 30 shots and I'm going to score 40, 50 points, same with KD, right, whoever else, that's good. I'm in the MVP race because yeah. at the end of the day, the MVP right now, it matters more than what we do in June because June's not happening. Yeah, but I feel bad, and I know Sam has tweeted about this, and I hate to be this guy. The season ticket holder, because I know there's a playoff payoff, right? You wait for the playoffs. We've been begging for playoffs for many, many years, and now we're in this championship bubble. But I do kind of feel bad for the guy who goes, hey, look, I'm taking my kids one time a year to this one game, whether it be the Christmas game, whether it be the Houston game. I'm spending gosh knows how many thousands of dollars. I'm buying new jerseys for the kids. We go to the game. We spend a ton of money on chicken tenders and beers and sodas. And then they totally like... Just mailing in in the final fourth quarter. I just is. Do you guys buy that argument, or do you think that that's total BS? And it's like, dude, it's all about the end game. No, no, I buy it. It's but my my bigger question is like, how do you get beyond that? Like, how do you tell Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond, whoever, Katie, whoever it be, you know, you should play this January game with that same intensity you play against the Rockets in May, against whoever it be in June, etc. And that's kind of the hard part. That's where, I, I mean, that's kind of where Phil Jackson made his name, the whole Zen master thing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's hard to repeat because um, as talented as they are, they're not that much more talented than the second or third best team mm-hmm. in the NBA that they can just slide by on it when it matters. And I, I don't really know how you get beyond that. Like, I, I think we're all looking for the Warriors to play with that intensity we saw the first two years of the drive or uh, of the run. Um uh, but I don't know Not how you get that happen. out of them. Not going to happen. You remember growing up, yeah. and we watched Kobe. We watched Shaq. And every time I saw them lose, I was ecstatic. Oh, through the roof. <laughs> I rooted against them all. I was a Blazer fan strictly because they had Bonzi Wells who got under Kobe's skin. That's it's all, all that matters. Yes. It's all that matters. I don't care if it's December. I don't care if it's May. I don't care if it's June. If they lose... I'm happy. Yeah, I I can go to sleep. I can I can do whatever <laughs> I need to do as long as they lose. And that's what the Warriors are going against. They're going against a league and uh, uh, everyone else. They're going against a bunch of teams who are tired of seeing them win- yeah. winning. Meanwhile, they're they're just sitting there going. I just want to get to June healthy. Yes. I just want to be there at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's such a crucial part because one slip in Houston a couple years ago cost them a championship in 2016 Correct. after exerting every ounce of energy Correct. the entire year. That's probably, I don't think that year will ever be repeated as a Warrior fan. We're never going to get that, like, I have to watch every single possession because this is special, the way the ball's moving around. There's so many areas that we're going to dissect. I got... Andy, I got Sam from the Light Years podcast on the Blue uh, Blue Wire Network. I'm going to get that right at some point before we're the good, end of we're this. Good. All right. And then, guys, I want to get into Draymond Green because I think you and I disagree on Draymond Green. I love Dre the player. Absolutely love him. But at some point, the shenanigans, the crying on every single foul call, and I get it. He's one of the few that does care. Like, last night, it mattered to him, and I get all that. But my God, when is enough enough, Dre? Can you read the room and not cry after every single foul? Do you think I'm wrong? To me, the bigger issue with Draymond is, are we starting to see him decline? It's hard. So he's he's one of my favorite players. He'll always be one of my favorite players of all time. 
but the production's dropping off. We're watching we're watching a guy who doesn't get guarded in any games, and um, quite frankly, one whose theatrics are kind of starting to wear thin on people. I mean, mm-hmm. we we don't need to go through the KD episode again, and you start wondering. Have we have we already hit the peak? Have we reached peak Draymond? Was peak Draymond 2016, 2017? Is it going downhill? Should the Warriors explore trading him? Should they do the Bill Whoa. Walsh trade him early before it's too late thing? I mean, there's a lot to go on there, and that's and it, it's exacerbated by the fact that you watch a team that's not really playing their hardest game right now. So, I mean, end of the day, last year Draymond didn't look too great, and in the playoffs, he totally was fine. turned it on. So. What do you really do? Because the guy is a very vital player to the team, and when he doesn't perform, it has potentially a larger impact than anyone else. Yeah, you know, we're going to get in more on this Draymond thing because I have some theories on the injury and how it's ruined his psyche, and I know we don't want to become doctors here, but we're going to get into the KD theatrics online, the burner accounts, and we're definitely going to get to... Kerr's rotations and Curry's usage. On the other side, it's the Butcher Shop. I got the Warriors World Light Years podcast guys out here. 95.7, the game. Now back to the Butcher Shop on 95.7, the game. Here's Joe Shasky. And we're here at the Butcher Shop. We've got Andy Lou and Sam Esliandari. Warriors World Oh my God, we are getting wild here on a Friday night. We got basically what I would consider the smartest, sharpest, funniest aspects of the Warrior fan base right here. The realest of the real. People that have been down with the Warrior organization when Vontigo Cummings and Mookie Blaylock were running things oh, at Vladimir the point. Ramonovich, Vladimir Ramonovich. Oh. oh my gosh. Oh. oh my. Wow. Oh my goodness. We've oh. come a long way. And you know what? It kills me because I look at Draymond Green. Like, I look at Ronnie Lott. He's like the heart and soul in many ways. He's like the passion, everything, the blue-collar nature of the East Bay or any parts of San Francisco that are a little more grimier, the Mission, for example. He just <laughs> represents a certain style of play that we all love. He got that bad boy influence from Detroit. But I feel like ever since he hurt his shoulder, it's totally messed with his psyche. And I also think when you look at other shoulder injuries, Andrew Luck, baseball, you know, you see it all the time. Guys have a legitimate surgery, and then they sit out months and months and months. I don't know if he ever really had the proper surgery nor the time off to heal the shoulder. Then I think it's crept into his head because the shot is even more flat now than it's ever been. And they need him to hit just enough threes to keep the defense honest. And you're seeing so many people tweet about it right now. I'm frustrated with Draymond because I think he's frustrated. And I also think psychologically, he looked down the road. He goes, I don't want to be Harrison Barnes. I don't want to be Bogut and be the guy left without a chair when the music stops, when KD decides I'm going to come back, but you, Draymond, I don't want you here. (laughs) So maybe I'm playing, you know, couch therapist or, you know, amateur doctor, but how do you guys view Draymond, the injury, his psyche, and where he stands with the fan base right now? You all had a friend that was confident, right? Growing up, he was just a confident dude. He was happy. He could do whatever he wanted, right? At a certain point in his life, it hit him like, you know what? He's not that great. <laughs> it, hit, it hit him at some point. It doesn't matter. It was high school, college. Maybe it was at work, whatever it is. I think it went to Draymond. At a certain point in his NBA career, it happened. 
And they said, we're not going to guard you. You can shoot however when you want to shoot from three, and we just don't care. And Draymond thrives. He thrives on what people care about. Care about guarding him. They care about getting blocked. They care about whatever it is they can do against them, and it wouldn't work. But now you see people going by Draymond. You see people leaving Draymond. And the one or two times that you see Draymond going after a team, it doesn't feel like it's the same thing. It feels like, okay, Draymond's trying to manufacture something. Mm -hmm. It's not like, hey, this is Draymond. He's going after him. It's not the same. And so you look at him and you're like, he's not the same person. And for Draymond, different from Steph, different from KD, it's all confidence. No question. And it's not there. No. And when it's not there, he's not Draymond. No. And what about physically? Because when McCollum cooked him out on the perimeter, I was like, ooh. And I know he hasn't played a lot, so his conditioning's probably not where it needs to be. But, like, we all know Draymond. He'll lock down anyone. And to have McCollum just kind of turn him into a training YouTube video, I was like, ooh. So that's, that's the one that's worrying me more because I'm never going to question Draymond's IQ or just his instincts. I'm worried about if his body's giving out on him. Um, he, he plays a very physical style. Uh, he's always played that way, and that's always the kind of guy who who is prone to pick up injuries to lose a step. You know, it's not um, it's not the Steph Curry, the guy who's looking to avoid contact, and his game is about shifty angles and stuff like that. It's the guy whose game is about running into a brick wall. And I wonder if we're seeing that with Draymond. It, it's hard to say at this point. My personal opinion, until I see him get blown by like that in playoff games, <laughs> That's true. I don't think he's lost a step. But it's hard to watch him get torn up by C.J. McCollum, a player we know he can lock up and not get kind of a little emotional over it. Yeah, no doubt. And then one of the other aspects is when you've been banging against guys twice your size, it eventually does catch up to you. And I'm seeing that you tweeted this out, Sam, and we got Sam and Andy from the uh, Light Years podcast. You can catch it on iTunes. We'll get all that link and all that stuff later. But you tweeted this out. They used to have a dramatic advantage when Draymond would play center. And it doesn't seem like that dramatic advantage is as big as we originally anticipated and that teams have kind of made that gap shorter and shorter. Speak a little on that. So part of that's everyone's going small. Um, you can take it beyond that. Like when the Warriors got great in 2014-15, they took more threes than anyone. Now they take kind of the league average amount of threes. Um, when the Warriors got great, no one was going small. Now everyone's got a small ball lineup. So those those little inherent advantages he had from it are just smaller, and they get exacerbated when you don't try as hard. Steve like, Kerr problems. Yeah. But but it it goes beyond that. Like part of the Warriors' advantage from going small was we're going to go small, but we're going to out physical you while doing it. Well, if you're not going to out physical a team in January or December or February, then all all you really are is small. Yeah. Sam, but Sam, where you can always do things further than anyone else, the Warriors have the power to do things better than anyone else. But does Steve Kerr care about that? Interesting. We got Sam and Andy from the Light Years podcast. I want to get on to Kerr. Let, let's let's get right into it because Marcus Thompson, MT two, MT squared, <laughs> tweeted out, out. Yeah, yeah. Mar- Mar- <laughs> Marcus tweeted out yesterday that staggering Steph and KD's minutes has impaired their chemistry. I know you guys specifically, and I as well, will never forget Game 7 and the rotations <laughs> with Varejao, Festus jumping up in the air, giving LeBron James life, and then he hits all three free throws. Like This has been a pattern 
with Steve Kerr, and I'm listening to your guys' podcast, and Andy, you brought this up. Steve Kerr does not adjust until it's absolutely necessary, and even then, he waits a little longer, and then even then, waits a little longer, and then he adjusts. Doesn't that drive you bonkers? Hey, listen, I'm not going to get Margot mad at me. That's the last thing. That's <laughs> Margot that's, Kerr. That's the last thing I want to do is get Steve Kerr's wife mad at me. But to me, Steve Kerr is a top two regular season coach. Mm-hmm. He's going to get you by anything that you need to within 82 games, right? He gets that everything's a marathon. He gets that he needs to make adjustments as it goes, and he gets that it's not about one half. The problem is, in the playoffs, you need to make those within one game, Mm -hmm. right? And you need to understand that I don't care what Leandro Barbosa thinks. I don't care what (laughs) Festus of the Elite thinks, right? We need to get Steph and KD the ball. That's the only only thing that matters. Totally agree. And he waits until the last possible second to make that happen. Yeah. And that is why we have Game 7 against the Rockets. Oh, don't even start me on that one. And even in Game 6, I don't know about you guys, first half Game 6... I was pulling my hair out. I was like, "Katie's gone. This is over. Like, this is a this is a. Ju- I, I'm dramatic, you know. That's just how I am. But I was like, seriously saying, like, they've got our number. Something is up here. And I, I'll tell you guys, I know we, we've we had a zillion centers last year. We have none this year. But Clint Capella took their lunch money yesterday. He is a really good player who's developed. He's way better than I gave him credit for. And the other guy, now I'm not saying that Houston's the number one threat because I don't see them as such. But Austin Rivers, for as much as everyone dogs him, he took it to Steph yesterday, guys. He looked pretty good. He reminds me of, and he shoots the three way better and more often than he'll ever, but he reminds me of the evolution of what Sean Livingston brought to the Warriors off the bench. I mean, hey, that's someone where it's the Lee's catching up. Yes. Right? The Lee's catching up. If somebody like Austin Rivers or somebody, anybody that's exploiting who you are, these teams are coming at Steph, right? They're yeah. like, hey, we're going to try to come at you one-on-one. And here's what the Warriors are doing. They're just running what they've done three years oh, ago. the motion. Right? Oh, my God. If I, see Looney, if I see Looney catch the ball at the three-point line again and, like, turn, I'm like, what? Where is this play going? That's the evolution. They come at whoever you got, and the Warriors are just content with, if we want to get Kevon Looney 10 shots a game, we're going to do it. <laughs> right? They're okay with that, and that's the problem. That's the problem. Maybe it's the regular season. Right. Yeah. But that's the thing. They're like, hey, if Kevon Looney gets wide open shots or like 12 footers, we're okay with that. Other teams are like, we don't want to get them those shots. We just want to get James Harden step back threes. Yeah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine for a second if Steph Curry shot 23 threes? And by the way, it's it's a bigger problem than just not getting Steph enough shots. Steph got 27 shots yesterday, although I think we'd we'd all agree like he was just coming off screens like he was a supercharged Clay Thompson. (laughs) Um, Rip Hamilton. But yeah, I mean, like, KD went something like six minutes without taking a shot in the second half. And in those six minutes, there was just a lot of Draymond post up, um, loony dribble handoff. And it's just a lot of like, what are we really doing here? Like, like Andy <laughs> likes to put it, it's like, what's the purpose of this play? What, what are we doing here? We're running 40 actions to, to get KD the ball at the end of the clock to take a terrible shot. We could do yes. that with 20 seconds left. Totally agree. Like he did, up six, coming down the court. And this is one of my issues with Steve Kerr. Obviously, the rotations drive me bonkers. And you saw it with Steph Curry the other night when he got yanked in the game. He was clearly frustrated coming out at that particular moment. I have a problem with their half-court sets. 30 seconds less. Andy, you played ball. You know what I'm talking about. It's different than coming up off of a rebound in transition. It's different. 
KD should not be getting these last-second looks in half-court sets. I get it. He's one of the greatest scorers ever. Put the ball in Steph's hands. Run the pick and roll. Give them <laughs> options. Give them something to do. That's where I'm like most angry at Steve Kerr. It's not even the rotations. It's the inbound plays where they used to be. That was their bread and butter. They'd always get that little dunk. What was that? Tornado play or whatever they used to. What was it <laughs> right, called? Right. Was it tornado or ISO or whatever the heck it was? And then now I'm seeing like just throw it to KD and everyone get out of the way. Like, no, that doesn't work for me. It frustrates me. That play where Steph turned that ball over the other night. KD should be the inbounder there, not Draymond, because once he goes to throw to Draymond, Draymond's like a 60% free throw shooter. I don't want him shooting the rock. I want KD, the seven-footer, standing over, throwing the ball in. But it's the little details where I feel like Kerr's whole philosophy at the end of games is like, I'll just throw it to the best player and we ISO because that's what's always been done and that's what we always do. And that drives me bonkers. I, I know he's got three titles. Am I way too critical of Steve Kerr, or do you guys kind of feel me on some of the Steve Kerr criticisms? There's a regular season uh, strategy. Mm -hmm. There's a postseason strategy. And the thing with Steve Kerr is he's the greatest regular season strategy that you can have. Get everyone involved. Get role players happy. We're going to exploit people when they're lazy. It's like Greg Popovich. Same thing. But at the end of the day, with Kobe, right, with LeBron on Miami, with Kyrie Irving, right, whoever it is, at the end of the day, you put the ball in your best player's hands. You run a pick and roll. You run an ISO. You let him win you the game. I agree. See, I, I think you got to take this a different direction. At this point, Kerr's not coaching these games in terms of the game is the only thing that matters. He's coaching the regular season. I, I'm reading this as him kind of going like, I want them to figure it out. You know, the old Phil Jackson oh, yeah, thing, yeah. like let them work through their mistakes and they're going to come together this way. But at the same time, I'm seeing a squad who's frustrated. You know, one player's trying to take shots. The other player's upset he's not getting enough shots. It's a lot of disease of more is, is really how the Warriors are looking. And I'm wondering, is letting them figuring out on their own the best route for this or does he need to go in there and like, hey, we need to run some pick and roll. We need to do some certain things like guys feel good about themselves and then everything will permeate off of that. Very interesting. I, I It's just it kills me because I'm not saying he's above reproach because anyone can be criticized. I don't care how great you are. You have flaws. Bill Belichick, greatest NFL coach ever. Guy can't draft a wide receiver if his life depended <laughs> on it, right? Steve Kerr is going to have, when it's all said and done, we all assume more titles than any coach in Bay Area history. Right now, he's tied with Bill Walsh, tied with Bruce Bochy. It is, it's really remarkable. And yet, somewhere deep down inside, I'm like, man, you know, if Nelly had Curry, you know, <laughs> he'd just be running pick and roll left and right. Am I tripping on that? Because I look at Nelly, and maybe I look it through my child's lens. I just love Nelly, and I feel like he would have got the most out of Curry. <laughs> Your answer is always Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> what were you going to say, Andy? You, you remember when the Rockets missed 27 threes in a row? Yes. That's what happens when you push players like that for 82 games. Look at the Warriors, right? And I think that Kerr wasn't the guy that wanted to go for it. He was the last person that what Sam can attest. He was yeah. the last person that wanted to go for 82, right? Yeah. The players wanted to go for yeah. 82. And when they didn't win, I, personally, I don't think that they didn't win because they went for 82. They didn't win because Steph got hurt. Yeah. Right. And Bogut got hurt and Iggy Draymond hurt his it. back. Dragon suspended. It. Yes. All totally agree. And so they're overcompensating for the fact that who cares if they win 54 games yeah. in the regular season? Because if they win 16 in May and June, yeah. that. That's all that matters. There's nothing that matters in January. As much as the Rocket fans and whomever else that hates the Warriors want to celebrate in January. (laughs) But 
Whoever wants to celebrate, it doesn't matter come June because no. whoever holds up the trophy, that's all that matters. Yeah, they're chasing their own ghosts at this point. They're chasing players of past like LeBron, who we'll get into. I want to laugh at LeBron. Right, We're going to get into more LeBron. MJ. Oh, no question. There's no doubt. And and what's interesting. Someone who actually achieved. Oh, I love that. Whoa. I love that. We're going to get to that. We got Andy and Sam from the Light Years podcast. You can catch it on iTunes. Warriors World. These guys are deep inside. This is, I love this. This has been great, guys. Um. Iguodala, Andre Iguodala. Okay, I love Iggy. When Iggy got here, he was the man in Philly. He was the man in Denver. People forget the Warriors, when they first made this ascension, beat his Denver Nugget team. And he wanted to be a part of this. I wanted Dwight Howard. I was wrong. I was one of those people like, yeah, trade everything. (laughs) Trade everything for Dwight Howard, right? Like, I was so angry he chose the Lakers instead of us. And you know what? They found a way to flip Andres Biedrins to Utah. They bring in Iguodala. And then, not only does Iguodala come here, he's willing to come off the bench, which was like the first big selfless act. But this last was it last year's offseason, he took the full bag. Not a little, the full bag. He had to have 17 mil per season. And to me, that really bugged me, guys, because I watched David West leave millions on the table. This isn't a guy like McKinney who's looking for his first payday. How many million, hundreds of millions has Iguodala made? And yet I'm watching this guy and I'm going, that's just too much money to allocate to a guy who literally cannot play in back-to-back nights. And I know it's about the playoffs, but last year when push came to shove, he wasn't there for you in the most crucial moments. Am I too harsh on Iggy or do you guys have a different opinion of Andre Iguodala? I'm the last person to say, hey, don't get your money. That's my thing with Iguodala, right? My thing with him is that he always felt like he was underappreciated. Um, one of Steve Kerr's greatest triumphs as a Warriors coach is getting him to take that bench position. Yeah. Because that allowed Harrison Barnes to blossom into a functional not a, player. Right. A de- the Falcon flies high. <laughs> a decent player. Yeah. A decent player. But that allowed the team to be who they are for one out of two championships mm-hmm. and that 73 win season. So I always felt that. Iguodala felt like he was underappreciated, and that was one of his things when he negotiated that contract. But I feel like, let's let's take this a step back. Players should get what they feel they deserve, whether they want to take a discount or not. Believe that's me, on Lakeup's them. getting paid. That's on them. I'm never going to fault a player for getting it. The question is, should the Warriors have paid him that? That's a more interesting question. I like me. that. We can take it a step farther back. If the Warriors want to extend this dynasty beyond this year, they're going to have to start making tough decisions on players. I mean, we can go back and look at the Bill Walsh Niners. Um, how many players were involved in all five Super Bowls? Uh, no one. Only the only how guys involved in all four were your boy um, Eric Wright. It was Keenan Turner. It was Joe Montana, and that was it. Mike Alvish. Wilson. And and football is a sport that turns over quicker, oh, but not massively. that much quicker than the than the NBA and basketball. Yeah. So at a certain point. These are decisions a team has to make. I feel like the Warrior fan base hasn't come to grips with the fact we're not going to keep the same like core seven yes. or eight for eternity. Yes. So I think we're finally coming up on that. This team could very well win the finals and win a third straight title this year. But they the will. idea that you're going to have this core it. four, you're going to have Iguodala, Livingston, yeah. and everyone just kind of ride off into the sunset for another decade and win like <laughs> seven more titles. That's not how it works. Yeah. yeah. At some point, you have to make tough decisions. I don't know what those tough decisions are going to be, but I feel like the Warrior fans are finally, they, they need to start realizing, you know, 
It's coming. At some point, someone's getting traded for some draft picks or walking on their own so the Warriors can figure out some new young players. We know Steph's going to be here another four years. Beyond that, I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. I had floated during the Kevin Durant-Draymond saga. I had floated. (laughs) I said, you know what, man? If Atlanta with Travis Schlenk and Matt Steinmetz told me, there's no way Atlanta would ever do that. But I said, hey, maybe they're looking for some veteran leadership. Maybe we could trade a draft pick for Draymond, you know, and... Maybe we get Zion, and that's how you pump some blood into this this Warriors uh, organization, and that would be a quote-unquote light years, like the podcast, uh, decision. <laughs> but I agree with you. At some point, they're going to have to make a decision on these roster spots because there's it, it's not like baseball. You can just go over the luxury tax. There's no ramifications. Like Clearly, at some point, the rubber meets the road, and I don't know when that is. You're opening a brand-new stadium down the street here, the Chase Center, and they want this team to be really good. You can't sell tickets to people at a new arena and have them mail in a Christmas night game. Like I know it's about the playoffs, right? But I just feel like that at some point they have to pick and choose. And yeah, like, next thing you're doing is you're selling tickets for nostalgia, and it's basically like the hundred yes. pence thing with the Giants. Oh, which is no, hey, no hey, one wants hey, that. Hey, you hey, have to go hey. There? that's an A's fan talking. No, <laughs> come on, relax. but that, but that's no, we don't why. do nostalgia. <laughs> but, no, they <laughs> don't. Right. They do earlier than that. Yeah, right? they that's do. the problem. Yeah. But that's why Steve Kerr comes out last night and he says. Kevin Rand didn't get the ball enough. Yeah. It's That's not, interesting. It's that was not, an interesting quote to me. It's not that Steph Curry didn't shoot enough. He had one shot yeah. in the last three minutes. It's not that. Steve Kerr comes out and says, Katie didn't get the ball enough. Right? That's what he says. And that's why you look at it and you go... They're playing a, a different game than everyone else. Everyone else is chasing them and they're... Trying to figure their own house out. Yeah, that's a good point. They totally are. It's really interesting. I mean, they were so ahead of the game stylistically, mathematically, uh, economically with the deals that Steph signed and being able to find a way to generate. I mean, Harrison Barnes not taking that money. I mean, that's one of the big everyone forgets about it. Everyone forgets about it. If he takes that money, I mean, it's just it's incredible. The domino effect there. Guys, Sean Livingston. Love Sean Livingston. I I I love him as a backup, but. Especially since Steph's uh, spacing for him to post up. I mean, that, and that's the other thing. His post up, that little turnaround is just, it's not cracking anymore. Like, everyone's caught up. He, I love the guy. We all love him. He's such a stand-up guy. I mean, they got to find a way to move him and Icky next offseason if they want to keep this thing rolling and rejuvenate this bench. Don't you guys agree? He's one of those guys where, as a coach, as Steve Kerr, you're always going to trust him more than Quinn Cook. Right, you're always gonna say, "Hey, he's won us championships. He's been through three titles. He can do all the things that, quote unquote, tan- intangibles." Right, but then you look at someone like Quinn Cook, and you're like, "He can't play defense. He's short. Right, he can only shoot threes. But if you take a little bit step back, and you're saying, "Why isn't Quinn Cook out there? Who cares about defense?" <laughs> totally agree. Who cares? And he can shoot. He can make plays. I like Quinn. Chuck it up. Yes. And chuck it up. Spread the floor. Let Steph do whatever he wants. Yep. Right. But that's where the difference is. People don't care about like how you treat players, how you care about players' feelings. Because if you're going to sit Sean Livingston for the rest of the season, which maybe you have to for Quinn Cook, how does that go in the locker room? That's a good With point. a locker room that's already... Fragile. I would say fragile. <laughs> fragile is a way to put it. You know, Sensitive. Man, you nailed that. That's one of the things... That's one of the things when we talk about Katie, and we're going to talk about him in a second. We're going to talk about LeBron and his statements Uh-oh. and his ridiculousness. And we're definitely going to get into Boogie. But before we move on, guys, I want to ask you guys a question, like on the real. What has been the best moment 
of this run for you guys personally each? What's been the number one moment since the Warriors have become what they are now, which is at the top of the sports pecking order? Like, where where do you guys go? For me, I, I think I know where I'm going to go. Sam, where do you want to go? It's got to be the first title. It's got to be watching them celebrate um, before the clock ran out, you know, those last like 10 yeah. seconds or, you know, it's over and I'm watching Steph and Draymond and then I'm like, and the whole time, like the Warriors really want a title that really happened. The team who could not make a single right decision for like the first 30 years of my life is now the NBA championship. Uh, there's been a million good moments, but for me, that was like the most profound one where I just kind of, I sat there with my friends, my friends are celebrating and I just, I have no words. I'm just like, man, I I can't believe that just happened. (laughs) Andy, what about you? Um, Revisionist history wise, you know how everybody always says KD's the second best player in the world. Maybe he's the best player in the world. The Warriors won that seven game series. They came back from 3-1. Draymond Green got completely locked up. Yeah. By Kevin Durant, right? Yeah. Clay bailed him out in game so six. So it's the OKC. It's that, that game Clay seven. Game. Steph dropped 30. Uh, he took 38. over on 38. And KD turns the ball over in the corner late it's, in the game, just threw the ball away. Ex- that's the game where you're like, you know what? At the end of the day, if you put Steph on one team, you put KD on another team. Wow. That's We've seen it happen. So for me, guys, I got to give it to you. All right. You're going to think I'm stupid here, but. I go back to that San Antonio game that we lost. We were up 20, and Kent Bazemore got shot on by, by ah. Ginobili, and it kills me. And I never, I'm like, we wow. always lose these games, right? We'll flash forward to the first game against the Pelicans when they were down 20, and they found a way to fight back, and Steph corner. hit the three in the corner. Got and for me, I've never been more excited. I said, something's different here. Something's different. And I don't know what it was. I know they ended up sweeping the Pelicans, but that's a game they always lose in the history of Warriors. You know, that was a, that was a mentally tough game. I remember that one. They were oh. they were down twenty. Um, nothing was going right. And they just they dug in for basically two quarters yes. in a row and like chipped at it. That's that that was that's a toughness game where you're like you don't go on a twenty zero run. It's when like, do we see that anymore? You, Never. It's. It's been a while. <laughs> and, and that was when Warriors Twitter became a thing because all of the zoom-ins on the faces in the in the crowd, oh, don't let him shoot, and Steph's yeah. hitting the shot as he's falling down. Just absolutely phenomenal. We got the Light Years podcast, guys. We got Andy Lou. We got Sam Esfiandari. Keep staying there, guys. We're going to go heavy on LeBron James. Boogie Cousins. I'm going to rip LeBron. I'm so sick of this egomaniac. On the other side, <laughs> Butcher Shop, 957, no game. That one so right there made me the greatest player of all time. For That's so what many I felt. reasons. I was super, super ecstatic to win one for Cleveland because of the 52-year drought. Like, I was ecstatic. The first wave of emotion was when y'all, everyone saw me crying. Like, that was all for 52 years of everything in sports going on in Cleveland. And then after I stopped, I was like, that one right there made you the greatest player of all time. You know, everybody was just talking how they were the greatest team of all time. Like, it was the greatest team ever assembled. And for us to come back, you know, the way we came back in that fashion, I was like, you did, you did something special. Now back to the butcher shop on 95.7 The Game. Here's Joe Shasky. 
I am so sick of LeBron James. It's the Butcher Shop. 957 The Game. Joe Shasky. We got Andy Lou. We got Sam S. Fiandari. And if I'm butchering your names, I apologize. It's the Light Years Podcast. Blue Wire Network. You can catch them on iTunes. Please hit subscribe. Rate and review it. I came up through the podcast game. So I got mad respect for anybody that has that kind of hustle. All right, guys? And I, I'm definitely a listener. I listen all the time. My favorite one was Christmas night when you guys were hammered and you were angry. <laughs> oh, God. And then you pre-recorded and then deleted because Sam didn't record on his end. You know how many of those podcasts I did over the years? And I joke around. I tell people my early podcast days, it was like a horrible mixtape you got in the 80s from some like in the garage rapper. And I listened right. back to it. And I'm like, oh, my God, it was horrible. And now I'm on the air because I'm behind enemy lines. I'm the bad guy. LeBron James, this guy is such an egomaniac. Look, I love watching him play. For me, there's only so many guys that are like, I have to watch every game he's on my television. I am so consumed by what he can do on the court. What he's done for the community is unreal. He's done more for his community than I can ever do for San Francisco. And you know how much I love my city. I volunteer. I'm coaching. This guy's built churches and and he's built schools and he's donated so much back to the community but he's also a raging egomaniac and he drives me completely bonkers he drives me bonkers and this little statement i knew i was the greatest dude nobody calls themselves the greatest in real time oh muhammad ali did it he's promoting a pay-per-view fight totally different this is a team sport i just feel like lebron shasky are you are you a godfather guy i love godfather I love it. I'll make you an offer you can't refuse. So, <laughs> confidence is silent. Insecurities are loud. That's the first thing I think of when I hear LeBron James quote. If you are, you, you ever been in a meeting, if someone's telling you how smart they are, <laughs> you're, you start thinking like, uh, what are they trying to sell me? It's, it's, it's an act. Uh, Danny Age wasn't wrong. I'm glad you said that because one of my one of my uncles who's the most successful of all time he don't he don't say a word he doesn't tell you how much money he has or where his investments are you just know you you know or you ask yeah and you don't ask him no you don't ask him and you're sitting at work or you're sitting wherever you need to be you're like hey that guy's pretty smart yes right that guy's great at his job yes you don't hear him say hey you know what Shasky, I'm the smartest dude you're going to look at right now. Shasky, you see, you see my stocks this year? You see my stock? You see my returns? I got a lot of money yeah. in my bank account. Oh, dude, that's... What's that's, that tell you about me? Ugh, dude. If I said that to you, what's that? I would say this guy is completely delusional, and I don't, I don't want to be around him. That's what I would say originally. Because I got a couple friends like that. Look at my family! Dude, my kid is playing AAU here. I bought a house in Tahoe. Look at my Maserati. I'm like, dude... You got all that from your mar- your parents or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, for example, when it comes to LeBron, it's like, dude, why are you so insecure? And it's the same question I ask about Kevin Durant. And I get it. They're the first millennial athletes. Like, in this social media age, and, and I, I had this whole conversation the day that he was mic'd up at his kids' game. I told you, I told you that I've Bluetooth been coaching. at his kids' game? It's unreal. I've never <laughs> seen anything like that. I've been coaching volunteer coach. Just like LeBron. Forever. Oh, just like LeBron. By the way, when, when, when you're mic'd up at your kid's game, what does that tell you? And they're like, they're, he's teaching people how to parent their kids. Like Chris Rock. You're supposed to be at your kid's game supporting them. <laughs> what, like, I don't get this he's LeBron He's teaching thing. ESPN. It's, it's, it's crazy. And then I'm hearing from all these journalists, hey, he's a good dad. Like, 
Of course he's a good dad. He's a $200 million man. And he's one of the good. He's constantly in his kids' lives. Of course he's a good man. But you don't have to tell it and continue to reemphasize it. This I'm the goat thing is the most nauseating conversation we've ever had. I mean, guys, like, seriously, I know you guys respect LeBron the player. Where are you at on LeBron off the court and how the media slurps him and trips over themselves? When you have to say things to qualify what you have or haven't done, that's where it comes from, right? With Michael Jordan, it's, hey, I've done this. I don't need to say I've done it. It comes from all his peers not being able to beat him. Yes. And just, like, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley says that every time. He's like, uh, I thought I was the best player on the wor- in the world until I went up against yep. him. Like, it, and that Great that's point. more powerful Has Steph ever than said that. No, no. <laughs> but Steph's so comfortable with who he is. Like he knows exactly who he is. Now Aisha and the selling of the pots and pans and the different chef stuff. I'm out on all that. I'm, I've I've been out on Team Aisha forever. She's a sweetheart. She makes beautiful children. Good for her. But as far as like buying her stuff at Target, no, not for me. But. Like LeBron, the LeBron thing, I feel like it stems from deep insecurities because I don't think that he truly believes he is the greatest. I, I don't see Kevin Durant. I don't see J.J. Barea. For, <laughs> I, I don't see these players that come out here and say, hey, he's the GOAT. Scottie Pippen, what yeah. did he say today? Right? Like, Yeah, yeah. Scottie Pippen basically went off and said, you don't say you're the GOAT. Uh, your peers say that. Yes. Like, it's determined by everyone around you. Michael never said it, and obviously he's going to, you know, side with his boy yeah. to the end of the days. But um, he needs he, to worry he, about he, Larsa. He, yeah, but basically he said, um, you know, it's like, that's something that's determined by your peers. Why are you out here saying it? Uh, to me, it's a more interesting conversation where it's like guys are trying to kind of speed up. Like, we all know LeBron's going to retire, and in 10 years everyone's going to be like, Whoa, you know, this dude yeah. is really good, but he's not LeBron James. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's like it's always how it goes. So it's like, like, why are you trying to speed up the natural process of your myth? Like everyone you're already one of the greatest players of all time. Anyone who says you're not one of the four or five best is of all idiot. time is lying. Yes. Um what are we doing here? So yeah. I don't know. I don't get it. But maybe it sells. Maybe 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 it does. Well, I'm more intrigued. We got Sammy and Andy. Ugh. Sam and Andy. <laughs> From the Light Years podcast, I've done it like 16 times today. Um, I'm more intrigued with this Lakers-Warriors kind of microwave rivalry. Because, guys, my entire life, I've looked at the Lakers, and I'm like, it's not a rivalry, but I hate you. And I want, I'm rooting against you. I told you guys, I rooted for the Trailblazers when they had Brian Grant and all those guys because I wanted to see them get through the Lakers. I rooted for Jerome Kersey in the early 90s with Cliff Robinson because I wanted to see the Trailblazers get through the Lakers, and eventually they did with Clyde Drexler. But, like, I'm rooting for anyone but the Lakers. And now that they have LeBron, who's our number one enemy, and then this is the, the special part about this run, they've won championships in the LeBron era. So now he's a Laker. Are you guys ready for this playoffs or what? Because I want to go through the Lakers. So this is the biggest reason I don't want the Warriors to break up. Um, I'm, I want to have, like, a sustained period of Warrior-Laker rivalry. Yes. We all know about the NorCal-SoCal rivalry. It's fun, you know, Giants-Dodgers. Um, I guess we really haven't had it in football for about 20 years. Yeah, it used but, to be Niners-Rams in the 80s was a thing. But yeah, it was I a mean, thing, but not for a long time. But, I mean, I mean, there's just, anyone who's lived in Northern California, Southern California knows the cultural and kind of the sports rivalry there. We need a four- to five-year run where they're kind of equals, and it's a real rivalry. Shout, shout out to SoCal Asian women. Um, <laughs> but that's <laughs> that's one of the things where you look at LeBron and you look at why he went to the, the Lakers. It's 
It's not because, hey, I'm going to win championships. No, it's to make crappy television that no one's going to watch. Would you agree? It's money. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's money. You see the billboards in LA. Yes. You see the TV shows. You see what he's done so far. What has LeBron put in the headlines? That's not, it's not about basketball. No. It's more than an athlete, yeah. right? That's what LeBron is doing. And he knows this. He's yeah. smarter than you or I. Oh, of course. Oh, he's smarter than you or I and combined. Dude, the guy is a genius on the court, and he's a genius off the court, parlaying everything about himself into more money. And that's a – hey, I don't Number I don't one. hate him for that. I hate him for all this, like, other stuff, you know. I got kids. Draymond should be suspended. <laughs> it's like, dude, come on, bro. I, okay, guys, before we get out of here, because we only got about five minutes left, I, I definitely want to – Boogie, let's real quickly on Boogie Cousins. I was one of the first people in August. I said to Kolsky, and we kind of argued back and forth about this. I said, you know, if Boogie doesn't necessarily come back in the right time frame, you know, it might behoove him to sign another one-year deal here at 30% more than what he's making now and kind of bet on himself like Joe Flacco, you know, and and endear himself and you're seeing Kavon Looney in a different way kind of bet on himself and I think that it pays a long-term viability where are you guys at with Boogie next year, this year, why the team needs him? I'm worried about his health, number one, and I, I just hope they ease him in. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest thing. The Achilles is pretty much the worst injury for a basketball player, and especially a guy of his size. Yes. So I don't – I'm excited. It, it seems like he's fitting in. I, obviously, we know how good he can be, um, but I just need to see him play because in the back of my mind, all I think about is like – Elton Brand coming off his Achilles and just Warriors wanted him never being yeah exactly but never being the same player so I'm I'm not quite there yet and I feel like the the leaking of he's willing to come back is almost like yeah the rehab's not going as well as we thought yeah and what about you Andy where are you at on that, that's that's one of the things where it's but it's house, mo- it's house money it, it, it is money but it's at the end of the day what's KD gonna do. Yeah, I agree. It's more about the two big it, dogs. Is because is he going to allow this? And and Sam has said this, and he's reiterated this. If KD stays, where's Draymond going? Right. If KD stays, where's Clay going? Because right? at the end of the day, does this thing sustain if it's just Steph and KD? It does. I think so too. I do. I do too. And I also think that you can. That's all that matters. You have more flexibility cap wise. There's a lot of things that we can get into down the line. I, I'm so glad you guys came in, but I have a couple of questions. Number one. Where did Steph better? Where did that hashtag start? Oh, that's Andy. Yeah, Andy, give it to me. Honestly, I really... You're off the Henny. You were pulling a Jordan Bell. I I was drinking quite a bit. Uh, (laughs) EDC was going on. Oh, EDC. It it was one of those things where you look at the rest of the league and you're saying, hey, this is what Russell Westbrook has done. This is what LeBron has done. This is what blah, blah, blah has done. And then you look at Steph and you're like, he's done all of this? He's done it while he's in this position. Steve Kerr has made him who he is, but also restricted him mm-hmm. from who he is. At, at the end of the day, off the court, who's better than oh, Steph I mean, Curry? Come on. He's living the best life. Who's who's better than Steph Curry in terms of getting guys to play with him, right? Yeah. Because if you're an opposing player and you're Andre Godala, you're Kevin Durant, you're whoever it is, you're Anthony Davis, you're Giannis, yeah. you're Joel Embiid, whoever it is, right? You look at Steph Curry and you say, if I go to the Warriors... I can do whatever I want. Exactly. I'm not worried about Steph Curry. You go to the Lakers and you look at LeBron, you're like, mm, I'm going to have to sacrifice a little bit. 
And I can't, I can't run that play because, you know, that's LeBron's play. <laughs> no question. But that's where it comes from because yeah. you don't, you play with Steph, you don't sacrifice. No. No, you, he sacrifices, he, I feel like. For you. Yes. And he's better than you. And it's significantly. It's incredible. I've that's never, where it comes from. I've never seen a superstar differ in the way he does at so many different points in the season. But when push comes to shove, he gets his. He always seems to get his. And, all right, guys, so – like I said, I came up in the podcast game. That's how I got my little, you know, calling in, being a lunatic, being myself. And I and I honestly mean this. I, I love people like yourself, and I love you two in particular because you guys are genuinely who you are. And that's kind of you see me. I'm a lunatic, but this is who I am. It's an <laughs> amplified it. version. And and I, explain to the people how they can follow you guys, whether it be on Twitter, whether it be with the podcast. I know it's on iTunes right now. You guys are on the Blue Wire Network. It's called Light Years. How do people follow you guys? Uh, so they can keep up with this warrior fandom. So you can subscribe to the Light Years podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Art19, basically anywhere you can get a podcast. Just search Light Years. It's part of the Blue Wire Network. Um, and then you can follow uh, me and Andy on Twitter at Samus Fandiari at Andy KH Lou. Um, we're always kind of pumping content anytime we have a pod. We'll post it up there anytime we feel like reacting to a game. It'll be on there. Awesome. I absolutely love it. I honestly, guys, we got to make this a, a regular occurrence. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to do this a little more in the 10 o'clock hours. So we're going to get drinks after. I'm down. Does that sound like fun? <laughs> like we, yeah. Let's do it. I love it. I love it. Andy, Lou, Sam Esfiandari, Light Years Podcast. Catch it on iTunes. Click subscribe, rate and review. It's been the Butcher Shop. We got another hour. We got Tommy Cole. We got Food with Butcher. We're going to keep this thing rolling. Thank you, boys, for coming on. 95 7, the game. Shout out to SoCal. Asian woman. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.